Hello everyone, uh, my name is Vidya Patil. I am here today interviewing uh, Dr. Srinivas Rao. He's uh, the operating partner at Phoenix Venture Partners. Uh, a little bit about myself. Uh, I am the uh, co-author of the solution book. Uh, this is my second book and I am working with uh, the Harvard postdoc on innovation frameworks. Uh, we provide basically simple one-page templates to solve problems whether uh, these are related to your startup or your corporate uh, job or these can be your domestic problems like you let's say you're buying a home or you're making any uh, decision about uh, changing your children's school uh, so these uh, we give due diligence tools that's what the book is about but it is a, a short uh, book like a pocket book and we want to uh, uh, make it time efficient so everything is concise uh, I met uh, Dr. Srinivas Rao at an IIT startup pitch event and uh, I was amazed at his ideas on innovation, how innovation can be a lifestyle. Innovation is an approach to solving problem and um, uh, th that's what uh, he um, explained with multiple viewpoints. Uh, he has a, a great track record of uh, engaging with uh, projects in innovation, in startups, in uh, uh, you know senior management positions in corporations uh, like CEO, being a CEO and CTO. And now he's uh, in in the venture space as an operating partner at Phoenix Venture Partners. Most importantly, he's from Indian Institute of Technology, Madras. Uh, it's a premier institution in India and. Uh, he has uh, he's in the mentoring circle for the IIT startups. So, uh, Dr. Rao, welcome to the uh, podcast. Thank you, Vidya. Um, that was a, a mighty introduction, and I hope whoever listens to this presentation, if you will, also finds it um, overwhelmingly valuable. Thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. So, on that uh, positive uh, note. Uh, I just want to start with my first question. Uh, Dr. Rao, uh, the other day when we uh, talked over the phone, you said innovation can be a part of life. It's a lifestyle. Can you can you just explain what you mean by that? That was like, uh, I don't know, a life-changing statement you made for me, at least. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about that? What did you mean when you uh, said that? Sure. Uh, you know, as I kind of uh, grow up in the valley, um, you know, obviously growth is never stunted or uh, uh, reduced in any way, everybody is growing. Uh, I somehow get the impression as though when people talk about innovation as though it's, it's something brand new, but the reality is innovation is in our blood. And innovation is actually a must-have to succeed in just ordinary day-to-day -day life. Uh, and as one reflects, every one of us can think about ways by which they improved whatever they were doing maybe yesterday, a week ago, a month ago, and definitely over the years as we grow. We learn and we adopt and then uh, we really blend into society as improved uh, individuals. Mm -hmm. So my, my expression of innovation being in our blood is uh, really 
uh, you know, stands as the value of time. Uh, when one reflects historically the growth of the species, uh, the human beings, you know, whether it be changes in climate, changes in, um, you know, uh, personal matters, we cope and we then bring in ways to really uh, circumvent the, uh, the event and, and do much better. And so you can't take innovation out of the human being, if you will. Animals, on the other hand, because A, they don't think uh, in the same constructive manner as human species, if you will. Uh, animals exist uh, for the most part. And now somebody can also contest that and say there are some animals that, you know, especially crows, they seem to learn by just observing. So instinctively, we all try to get better. We try to uh, achieve uh, a better return in a business sense uh, for ourselves. And that is the true sense of innovation. Wow. Uh, that's like a very uh, all-encompassing definition of innovation. Um, uh, thank you so much for that. And, you know, I want to harp on, on, on that explanation a little bit and say, you said human beings are na uh, naturally, uh, you know, they have a tendency to improve. Uh, how did you uh, see this in your life uh, at uh, Solectron, your, um, you know, one of your uh, major uh, um, stints in corporate world? Uh, how did you see that? How did you see that happening? Well, two parts. Uh -huh. You know, to, to be able to see uh, is uh, cognition. Uh, mm -hmm. And for that to cognize, firstly, it begins with uh, reflection. Mm -hmm. Have I seen it? Is what's happening real? Is there an opportunity? Is there some lessons in my backpack uh, mm -hmm. for the lack of something better? Invariably, we humans carry the baggage, if you will, with us, very much honed on past experience. Mm -hmm. uh, and having come from very large corporations into a small business called Selectron many, many moons ago, one of the things that hit me was we were, uh, all of us, a bunch of very simple beings that focused on what was being presented to us. And the minute something was presented to us, we looked at it from the picture of how can I do this and execute it well? And how can I make sure that something doesn't fail uh, as in the product design? Or in fact, originally it was just manufacturing. And how can I make this better than what the customer himself is accustomed to? So the reality is uh, putting thought, word, and actions together uh, into the framework of what one witnesses is the start of the innovation process as well. And the company grew totally at that point of time because we were very innovative. We saw things in some ways and we said, why don't we do this and see if that works better learning from mistakes, all of these are actually elements of innovation. Okay. Uh, some people, you know, call it continuous improvement. Yes. But if you take it as a slice of time, it is evolution. You get better day by day. And sometimes what you do is you make a major shift and suddenly you get a quantum jump and that 
either brought in a new service project into the company or you uh, embellished something that you were doing in a business sense and brought about an innovative way of how do you present the business solution, if you will. So things like that. So it wasn't one person, but it was the spirit that really made us actually win. Awesome, awesome. I would like to pick on the uh, words you used, the aha moment. Uh, and I would ask, when does this aha moment become a blitz scale, like a massive scale? Or, or when does it turn into a disruptive innovation? You know, there are two paths to the aha moment if it, if it becomes very successful. W what are your thoughts about that? Okay, my, my thinking is, you know, firstly for the aha to happen is recognizing the problem. And invariably, um, you know, everybody feels the pinch uh, of a problem in day-to-day -day life. Yes. business life, um, scientist life, but you just kind of work around and skirt around the issue. The aha moment is when you relate to what you are seeing or experiencing and saying, hey, you know, if you only did this, it could be 10 times more effective or possibly an improvement over a process that you have put in place that results in fewer defects or fewer issues or whatever that might be. So aha to me is the awakening that happens in the being, if you will. Um, and Vidya, I must tell you something very relevant to this. Uh -huh. I'm a very spiritual guy uh -huh. and I always kind of reflect on what is happening in front of me. So that cognition of have I, you know, am I witnessing something? Is there something I could have done differently, but I'm just doing it as a road process? So that awakening is really what drives, to me at least, uh, the moment of uh, transformation. And that is all very, very much in my, in my psyche, my spirit, that says, just doing the same old, same old, you only get the same old, same old result. Exactly. You, you have to bring change. Change is the first cognition that there is something you got to do different, very spiritual. And you kind of go back and, and whether you call it meditation or focus, and they are all switchable terms to me. One guy calls it, you know, I'll meditate on it. And the other one says, let me put some uh, thought behind it. But in essence, the focus and the, and the internal feeling of uh, there's got to be a better way. Awesome. Right? Awesome. Yes, yes, definitely. So you're saying a continuous improvement can be um, perceived as evolution. That's a and uh, and now you're tying it to mindfulness or conscious business. Um, that's that's what zebra companies do. They are conscious in multiple ways. Uh, as of now, you spoke about productivity as, uh, as as being conscious of productivity, but there are multiple angles to it: sustainability and uh, uh, and you know the long-term roadmap and so on and so forth. So you know, I, I was listening to this talk by Jeff Bezos, and he is very customer-focused, very uh, mindful of customers in that sense. Where there is a continuous improvement. What is your take on this? You know, mindful, being mindful about customer, being uh, this customer centricity, 
is it is it is it bad is it good or what what are your what's your take on 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 that so my first thing is awareness is when you're mindful if you're doing a job mindlessly which is what a robot might do then you get consistent results but there is no essence to how could this be done better right so first thing is in any business that awareness sometimes lies in the hands or the minds of the ceo or the executive staff that should not just do the same old same old and so mindfully they reflect or they should reflect and that is what the core effort of uh, the selectron process was we all as executive staff constantly ask the question who are we doing this to and why are we doing it why is somebody coming to us and offering this opportunity to present a solution and why should i not therefore do my best and do it in ways that are obviously better than what the other guy is already doing awesome awesome right? yeah yeah this so, is mm-hmm, go ahead go ahead so <laughs> the bottom line is reflection which is another state of mindfulness yes yes everything to me is spiritual i really really think there is no act or action in any business that should be done mindlessly yes mindlessness yes. is only when you want to enhance throughput because throughput says i will just do the same things up with the same quality metrics yes but it never gives you an opportunity to say i could have done better and let me see if doing this brings a business enhancement more opportunities or is it really expansion if you will so there are levels if you will of how you do innovation and all of them are tied fundamentally to the process of thinking constructive um effective mindful thinking of how to do something better how to grow the business everything if you will Awesome, awesome. So you know, you asked uh, five or six questions right now. You know, why should we do this? How to do this better? So that sounds like a framework to me. So do do you have like a framework for mindful um, project planning or mindful startup idea uh, planning? Is is this something you have which you recommend to founders? Hundred percent sure. You know, I've been an entrepreneur in very large businesses uh-huh. constantly, uh-huh. and it may be my spiritual upbringing that I had very good, um, what I should call as people that I looked up to, beginning with my father, uh-huh. and so I always saw he was reflective before he even answered a question because he was already anticipating. the answer might create this confusion or it should be leading in a direction which is more constructive to you know uh, to me um 
in my dialogue at least, likewise, customers do the same thing. Yes. Customers have one goal. Yes. A customer might want it at cheaper, faster, and better. Yes. And uh, basically, they will always say in the, in the statement that Electron used to be, I want, uh, and I'm not trying to slight this, I want Asian pricing, but I want Silicon Valley thinking, if you will, or modeling. Yeah. And in essence, what they are saying is, I would like you to be able to put something in process for me, no matter where, but it should come out consistently of the highest quality. And it was no accident for a company like Electron to get all the awards that we got. Uh-huh. But going back to your original uh, statement, to me, innovation, while it's in our blood, yeah. What is important is to cultivate innovation and harness that energy and make it into a sustainable process. And to me, innovation could be a discipline. Uh, you know, you just kind of always take it through certain clever boxes. First one is mindful thinking. Second one is mindful practice processing and right. the third one is mindful execution right so there are so consistently i would say it's a discipline that one has to uh, imbibe and say i am going to innovate so being an entrepreneur in large corporation gave me that edge because i used to constantly just do as i was told initially as a young scientist technologist and then slowly i understood the builder guy comes back and tells you something, but I have to really understand what the fellow in the market, if you will, connected and said he really wants to see, and then anticipate those things and put them into my own box to come with an idea of how I will improve the product or create a new product. And invariably, I was I was excelling in these things, and it was because I think I just thought through more carefully, yeah. and and because of that, when I speak to young entrepreneurs, like you said at the IIT, I always quiz them on, have you thought through, and why is your suggestion really something that the market wants? Have you even pulled it? Yes. And my Japanese friends, uh, you know, again, it's not cultural, it is really how everybody starts thinking from uh, first principles. Um, you know, they always go straight to the customer and, and then find out what do they really want and then come back and fashion a solution that meets the need of the marketplace. It isn't I will build and people will come, it was always I will make it because somebody out there wants it. That's a, that's that a, sense? yeah, 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 that's a great, uh, great thought. And you know, uh, you gave three boxes in your framework and I loved it. You said mindful thinking, then the mindful process and the mindful execution. I just want to, uh, you know, I have a talk coming up uh, where I have to address youth entrepreneurs and I want to talk about the first box. How can we teach the youth, whether it is from IIT startups or, you know, in Silicon Valley uh, or anywhere in the world, what is this? Um, what are a few favorite tools used in uh, Selectron Corporation or now maybe in Phoenix Ventures, which can be used for this mindful thinking? Like uh, when you present something to a VC, uh, 
what are the tools which we we, we should have used to do our due diligence so we sound like we know what we're doing do you have any favorites in mind um you know it is I'm not going to give you a certain particular example because when you're learning you yeah. focus on the principles of what is being asked right and then come with okay i'm going to put those principles into practice first thing could be as simple as you know being in silicon valley <laughs> everybody talks about technology yeah the reality is very few people want the technology what they really want to have is a solution wow so okay the mm-hmm. right the technology is the underlying principle by which you cause an improvement yes but your product really shows off that technology and units if you will could be the bandwidth of operation but technology should be flawlessly working between either that frequency range or the power level yes or you know functional level because you know like i said before um, you can have the best network but if that network fails at a certain level of performance then you don't have quite a solution you may have a partial solution okay so when you look at projects you have to look at the big picture okay and say is this person thought through so the the discipline is one about anticipating issues mm-hmm. has the person thought about what if it mm-hmm. could work but it doesn't deliver fully mm-hmm. you can create a partial solution So what the valley does and very smart they create a road map and the road map could be I will create a product that addresses this mark this particular market space right. and then over time maybe post funding uh adding more smart people to the project I might come with a second level product that will possibly address a mid-range solution so what I look for in fellows that you know tell me that they've thought something through i want to hear what are they targeting mm. right and so that that entire process of introspection because it has to begin internally mm-hmm. uh, but you can teach a person who is you know relatively um uh, seeing the the value of these things and then saying yeah this could not really address the entire market space and i have to tone down my pitch to the vc if you will and clearly say this is not an answer to everybody's problem but this will address this market segment and why this technology is so robust and what will i do to eliminate possible failure problems if you will things of that nature and that makes sense to you yeah yeah definitely uh so so you just uh, you just described uh, what are all the aspects a founder who's presenting to a vc uh you know what are all the things they should be prepared for and that's an um, that's an amazing piece of advice uh most people do not understand the value of uh, having uh the what if and the market segment the target segment those two things they're not clear so Uh, I just want to ask you um how do you uh, motivate them or, or do you suggest any 
um, uh, processes or practices for them to identify a target segment. What is the litmus test for the target segment? Because it's probably the most important number or metric for a founder or a VC for or any innovator as such. So, what would what is your uh, suggestion or you know or recommendation? Okay, I go back to what I said a few minutes ago. Right. You know, there is a solution uh, called "I'll make it and people will buy." But what happens with that thought process is you make it, you keep it on your shelf, which is actually valueless inventory, and then finally the market wakes up and then they start buying it. But no VC. Actually, you can substitute VC with your corporate CEO or two. It could be your friends. Right. Nobody is wanting it, right? I mean, yeah. VC is no, I mean, we don't just keep on reviewing uh, projects after projects. What we're also saying is as soon as we see uh, a deal and the deal is addressing a certain market, the next thing of interest is, hey, IP. IP actually is tied to technology. Is it something that is easy to manufacture? Or is this technology something so superior that it really kind of flushes out the incumbent that is already you know, looking for um, cost reduction or whatever that might be, and you have an edge in performance? Mm-hmm. So. So what I would tell any uh, founder is, you know, that's why I would say there is youthful technology, which is somebody that has stumbled upon something and and sees something in it, you know, it's like the diamond in the rough or whatever, mm-hmm. but that person is going to be able to, you know, cleave it, polish it, embellish it, and then come back. So we coach them. I mean, no good an entrepreneur, this is no good. What it is really is to review it and then give good feedback to encourage the entrepreneur to say, hey, you know, this is really a great idea, but may not be something that I am into, but I will direct you somewhere, or possibly, why don't you reflect on these things and come back and tell me what are the unknowns Okay, awesome, awesome. That's a that's a great answer. Uh, I think you answered my question two times earlier in the call and now once again. So, um, um, so thank you for thank you for reviewing and uh, reviewing and reflecting on the answer. Um, I, I in our book we talk about the solution interview where uh, founder builds a prototype and uh, does an interview with the prospective client and sees how close they are to the customer needs. So, but that comes in later, but you're talking about doing this very early on, even before you build it. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So great. Uh, so I think we have uh, three more minutes left is, uh, I just want to ask a couple more questions. Like maybe you can answer briefly or maybe one. Uh, if, if you were 20 today, which technology would you, you know, uh, would you want to start your, do your startup in? What would you be really excited about and where would you, uh, you know, bet your career on? Ah, okay. <laughs> 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 I, 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 I,
question. Thank you so much. You're most welcome. 